Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. Welcome to the Digital Transformation Podcast. Interviews with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives all driving today's digital success. This is the show that will help you take advantage of digital transformation to build your business and career. I'm your host, Kevin Crane, and I'm so pleased that you're listening. Our guest today is Tim Botke. Tim is a senior strategy partner at Monitor Deloitte and an associate professor for strategy and digital transformation at SDA Bocconi Business School. He's worked with clients in more than 20 countries developing digital transformation strategies, but he's with us today to talk about his book, Digital Transformation Payday, and how we can navigate the hype, lower the risks, and increase our return on investment. So, Tim, welcome to the Digital Transformation Podcast. Now, companies can spend millions of dollars on digital transformation, but in the end, struggle to demonstrate a real return on investment. Why is that? Kevin, that's a very nice opening question for our discussion, because I think the key question in that question is, what does in the end mean? And what we've seen over time, and that what also my research has shown in depth, is that if you embark on a journey on digital transformation, it's never a short-term game, it's long-term. And that is why often my clients, um, that, and that's how this whole book even started, they ask, so how can I survive these three, four, five years full of pain, full of failures, full of frustration, and not see any benefit at scale, which I can demonstrate to my shareholders, to my stakeholders, to my employees. And that's why coming back to what you said, in the end, unfortunately, very often is after what you would wish for, very often we see most, most digital transformations are still in flight. And in the process of being in flight, they just have also their downsides. It's not only all happiness. And that creates quite a bit of frustration. But it's not bad. It's it's a long-term journey. One just has, has to decide what in the end actually means. I'm surprised uh, about that failure rate. You say that companies often do not design their digital transformation strategies in ways that really maximize value. They either overpay or they don't design in a payback. I'm surprised. How so? Can you explain? First, I think the, the funny thing is when you, when you talk about failure rates, um, there are so many numbers uh, uh, discussed. Is it 70%? Is it 80%? Is it 50 but when you look deeper into the underlying numbers, you quickly see that they're all self-referencing. So it's usually always some question to someone 
um, subjective answers. And it, the conclusion always is you need to do something different. You need a recipe. Okay. And if you, if you use that recipe, that's the holy grail, then you are saved. You have, you are the one who does digital transformation, right? But that's not how it works. Um, the reason why um, it's not maximized for value is, is no one thinking, is thinking about value from, from the starting point. Very often, there are many parties in the ecosystem, and we all know this, we're all part of this ecosystem. So there are many parties of the ecosystem who drive digital transformation as a hype into many organizations. Then for, for the wrong or right reasons, people start doing something, they start doing pilots, they never scale it, they don't get the whole story right. So in the end, the real reason why digital transformation creates value, um, which is an end-to-end -end construct, which helps you to really make a difference in the market. It's not this one AI pilot or whatever, that you have some virtual reality pilot somewhere or you invest into something cool and have a startup ecosystem. All this is not helping if you do not generate and build a strategy which is helping you win in the marketplace. And that's also why I'm, I'm a bit allergic sometimes when people say we need a digital strategy. I just don't believe in this, I must say. I believe you need a strategy and digital can be, but it doesn't always have to be a key ingredient to make you win against your competitors. Because what we see very often is vendors are pushing and the sales uh, executives travel around all key companies. They always have a really cool software which they need to sell, which is admittedly better than what the existing software is. But it's just software. If it's not fitting to the strategy, it doesn't change anything. Then you have people like me, consultants, who usually follow the vendors and they then have all these great ideas how to implement the software. Then you have authors and all the other people in the ecosystem. They always motivate people to just do it. And very often, even very experienced executives, they don't take the step back and ask, so what am I doing that for? So, And that's often not value. And you could also be a bit sarcastic and say, given what we discussed before, sometimes it's good that it's not measured, you know? Because in, in the first few years, as I said, it's in reality, it's pain, failure, very high payouts. So you better have all these nice stories, paint everything digital, wear jeans and trainers, say agile many times and do something with AI. And then no one is really asking the really tough questions. But once you start measuring, people will see that it's not so nice in the early period, maybe in the pilot, but not at scale. So what is the process that we should use? Your book provides a framework for defining my efforts. Briefly, can you describe that process and the elements and how it can be an approach to really help me maximize my, my return on my investment and my effort? Yes, sure. Happy to. So first, coming back to what I said at the beginning, I think it's not about a framework. Um, I see digital transformation um, often in, in analogy to a chemical reaction process where it's not a single element um, which is making the difference. It's all elements acting together. And what I use in the book is saying, look, there's always some kind of catalyst and the catalyst can be technology, but very often we see companies believing, yes, it's only technology but it's actually much more what is starting a really good digital transformation reaction process. It's 
the people involved, it's the workforce skills uh, they have, it's the funding you have. So I'm, I'm sure in the current crisis, we will see that there have been many digital transformation efforts which have been funded just by abundance of funds. And let's wait and see what will happen when people really need to look into. So what do I really spend money on? Is it driving payback? Is it not driving payback? How fast is the return? So these are all the catalysts. Then the second part of the framework is what I call reactants. So that's the scope. And uh, we all know that in many, many, many times, organizations start at the edge or the frontier of their business or what, what I call it, the adjacents of their business or the frontier. That's not wrong, but it actually means you start where it's easiest. And the, the biggest mistake you can make is forgetting what you all do this for. So is it transforming your core business or is it experimenting at some edge without really changing anything in your overall business model? That's the reactant. The third part of the framework is what we call the reaction mechanism. And it's very simple. How do you let your transformation run? Um, and then um, if you decide to go agile, you need to go really deep into what you really want to do to achieve it. Very often, reality is actually rather hybrid. So you have elements which are agile, then you have hybrid elements, and then you have traditional waterfall elements. In, in many clients, we see that the business side is producing requirements in a very agile way. And then suddenly they, they hit a brick wall, which is called requirements from IT or for IT. And then the traditional release train start. And if that's set up that way, then, then you really have a problem. And the last part of the framework, that's what um, would be the product in a chemical reaction. It's the real outcomes. That's what you can see from what you do. And while I'm a number person, um, it's not only about financials where you can see it. It's also qualitative things. What do you do? Do you deliver what you said? Are there any indirect KPIs? I don't know, net promoter scores, first order resolutions rates and call centers, which demonstrate that what you do is working and only then it will enter your financials on the positive side, but also on the negative side. Because in what, what I show in the book is that you have Two, two parts of the story. You have accelerators. These are the ones uh, where digital transformation really helps you to get to your payday faster. But you also have many accelerators because it produces a lot of cost to do digital transformation. The software or the people, um, the, the consultants, um, the, the double staff you often need to run the transformation and run your business and all these things, they're often happily underestimated in these journeys. And now you have the elements and the problem is they are not linear. It's, it's like in any reaction, you mix it all together and it can go in all ways. So it can be that actually the outcomes you generate give you the funding you need to do more in the catalyst part, which we explained to, start, to go through the process. It can mean that you decide to actually start in your adjacencies and that you have a very agile process in these parts, but then you struggle to like get all that back to your core business. So that influences it backward and so on and so on. So coming back to your initial question, I don't believe in frameworks, but we use a framework in the book because I believe that it helps you to understand that it's an end-to-end -end equation you need to look into. 
whenever you go in a single area, you go the wrong way. Do you want to be a guest on the Digital Transformation Podcast? Well, it could happen. Tell us about your ideas and advice. What technologies and solutions do you recommend? And how can our listeners benefit from your approach? Be a guest. Find out more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash guest. We are here speaking with Tim Botke. Tim is a senior strategy partner at Deloitte and an associate professor for strategy and digital transformation at SDA Bacconi Business School. We're here talking about his book, Digital Transformation Payday. Now, Tim, you were talking about measures and real outcomes. And one key to success, of course, is the data, the empirical data to measure and demonstrate the effectiveness of my strategy. What data is really needed? How can I get it? And how can I leverage it? There are two parts of, of my answer to your question. So number one is what, what companies are really getting better at every day. And we see that every day in our work is working on the business cases. So um, yes, you still have companies which just go and try it, but more and more often, and I think in, in these crisis times, it will be even more relevant with limited CAPEX that a clear business case is behind what you do and that it shows that it will scale, that it's not just a limited pilot, which is not replicable in the end. That's the one part of the story that that is a must do. I think any CFO in the end uh, will at one point in time have to steer his or her digital transformation based on value. The second part is, what does it help? Because in the end, for me, value is always about what kind of value you generate as a company. And we all know what is in your P&L is not directly translated to your market cap and value to your shareholders. So um, what we see also in the research is that there is kind of this this gray area between what people can see on what a company does and how much they value what they see. So to get back to your question, the business case part, that, that's easy to do um, with experience. If you look into all the accelerators and accelerators, which I explain in my book for all the different technologies and, and elements of the framework, what is harder to do is to actually understand the context you as a company operate in and what does that imply for your digital transformation. Just to give you one, a few examples. So um, in the book, I looked at more than 20,000 reports of SAC listed companies. And from these reports um, with natural language processing, we could see what are these guys doing in terms of digital? So what do they say what they do? And the underlying assumption is because if in these reports, they say something they don't do, they're at high risk due to all the regulation behind. So it's, it's close to what they actually do or will be doing. And you can link that then to what kind of value implications does that have financially in terms of market valuation and market cap. And there you can see, and that's what really a company needs. They need to understand the context. That's what I said at the beginning. And it's really interesting to see though, every industry is different. Yeah. Okay, it's no surprise, but you can really see that in the hard data. So in some areas and in some industries and sectors, it's much more appreciated to be very pushy in digital transformation as a company versus others. Some can afford to be late. This is one nice example of an insurance company I, I worked with and I asked them, so why don't you transform? 
in your market? Why don't you have all, all your processes digitized, etc.? And they more or less said, with a smirk in their face, they said, look, why should we? It's a regulated market. At this point in time, we are making very good margins based on the transparency of all the different um, insurance policies we have in our customer base. We don't want to wake up anyone. But what we actually do is in a non-core market, in an adjacent market, in a market where we are just small, we've launched an insure tech. We are experimenting. We are building everything digital. We, ex we learn how this works. And the moment in time when our core market, when we believe within our strategy that the market is about to be disrupted, we take all the learnings and then we make sure that all the small companies trying to disrupt us cannot even have a start at all. Um, so um, you need to understand your environment and it's very industry specific. And very often you, you hear advice, everyone needs to disrupt itself before you're being disrupted, but that's nonsense. You need to disrupt yourself at the point in time where it creates value for you, not just because it, everyone is claiming to do so. So that's the industry. The next thing is your financial parameters. You see in the data, for, for example, that companies of a certain size who have very heavy dividend payers, that actually shareholders seem to not appreciate digital as much as for companies where dividends are very low. And it, it's, when, you, when you talk about it, it sounds like, yeah, easy to understand because the shareholders value the company based on the dividend it pays not based on a fantasy created by being very digital. So um, and I, I've had uh, clients and, and, and friends and in, in, in these heavy asset industries when we talked about this, they said, yeah, it's very frustrating. We, we work extremely hard and no one seems to bother. And for them, there was an eye-opener seeing, look, yeah, they, because like when you do simple valuation theory, it's very clear what is really paying the dividends and that's not, these are the assets, etc., and not a fancy digital thing. The next thing is um, very negative net income companies. That's also very interesting that for them, it can be a great thing to do, be very digital. Okay, then shareholders say, look, there is some fantasy, so they will get out of this, this, uh, this sorrow at one point in time. But you also have a very high range of companies who, where it's not appreciated. So it's a very high risk to be digital for these companies, but um, there's also a high gain to be made. So that's you need to understand. And the third thing is it's what you say and what you do. The research shows that companies who are very decisive in what they do, they get more appreciation, more trust and more belief in that that creates value versus the ones who just are yeah, surfing along, doing that and doing that and not really delivering. So coming back to your question, um, there's a lot to measure on the business case side, but there's a lot also to understand and contextualize on the market you operate in and what does digital transformation mean for you. I'm so pleased that you're listening to this podcast. If you like what I do, why not let me do it for you? My audio podcasting services give voice to your success and expertise. Do you have a happy customer? Let them tell their story in their own words. 
Need to get your subject matter experts heard by new clients? Let's do an interview and we'll discuss the topics at hand. Are you an author, an analyst, a C-suite leader? Let me create a custom podcast for you that gets your message out to a new audience worldwide. Want to find out more? Go to cranegroup.com. That's C-R-A-I-N-E, cranegroup.com. You're listening to the Digital Transformation Podcast. We are speaking with Tim Botke about his book, Digital Transformation Payday. Now, Tim, who's doing digital transformation right? Can you give us an example of one organization that you feel has been particularly successful? What did they do? What were the results and how can we do it too? You know what? I've been really waiting for this question because I'm not going to answer it. I tell you why. Um, first, um, I really believe that the, that the, the, the search or the quest for this one best practice example, which you just need to copy um, and then you are safe. I think that's the most common denominator of all failed digital transformation efforts I've seen. Because, yes, we consultants, we show then, look at this best practice example and look at that. But very quickly, the, the clients and the, the, the managers and executives who know their business well, they realize, yeah, it's, it's a bit of inspiration, but I have to find my own journey, my own path. Well, Tim, we have reached the action item round of the program. I'm wondering if you could please provide us with three quick action items that our listeners can do to begin to take advantage of your ideas and advice. Yes, I think the it, I think it's very simple. Number one, um, I think beware of the hype. I think if you if every manager would take a step back and say, "Look, I'm doing for what am I doing this for to win in the marketplace?" Then um, it's already a first key step to make. The second is, and it's very closely linked. You need a strategy. You don't need a digital strategy. You need a strategy, and if you do that right then all the other things we discussed will just fall into place automatically because you will only do things from an end-to-end perspective, no matter what the framework is, if they help you winning against your competitors in a sustainable way. Not forever. These times are over, if they ever existed. But at least for a certain period of time where you will be able to dominate based on what you do um, versus what your competitors do. And the third is start measuring. It's really a sad story to see that over 30 years, IT value research has developed so many great insights. I think there are more articles on what value does IT generate in books than on any other topic you can find. So I had to read hundreds, really, for for my research. But all that value was lost. Then came digital transformation, and everyone said, no, it's not measurable. It's different. It's not all agile. No numbers do not matter, et cetera. No, it's wrong. I'm not saying numbers always help, but if you never measure them, you cannot ever use them properly. So measure, measure, measure is my third point. Well, Tim, it's been great speaking with you today. We're almost out of time. But before I let you go, one last question. What should business owners, executives, technologists, all of us really be thinking about now and strategizing for today in order to be prepared for the world in five years' time? That's a great question because I think the, based on what we said at the beginning, um, any digital transformation already needs to have all that thinking into baked into its strategy. Because of the timeline of these transformations, five years is really. I have a client which was they were planning with four years. It will be ten now. Um, 
So everything they do, when they end up their first cycle, uh, already has to be factored in what competition status will be at that point in time. Can they compete? So they already need to plan now for the next one. The second thing is, um, it will be interesting to see when, when you have to rename your podcast because a new hype will come up. Okay, because very often um, digital transformation, I, we already see that we are beyond that type. So beyond digital is already something we see. But that's then looking forward, all these new technologies coming up, etc. And my key point is, it doesn't matter. Because a winning organization needs to be able to cope with any change coming up. And that's when then when an agile operating model really makes sense when you are able to react to things when you're able to 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 strategize and look ahead when you are able to do things for a winning proposition position in the marketplace and then you can cope with all these new technologies and all these new hypes that the hype cycles will come up with but the sad story is i think the if it's not factored in yet already in your digital transformation program then you have a problem but it's fixable, and uh, that's a journey everyone needs to look into. That is Tim Botke. Get his book, Digital Transformation Payday. Tim, thank you so much for being our guest today on the Digital Transformation Podcast. Thank you very much, Kevin. That'll do it for this episode of the Digital Transformation Podcast. But join me next time when I continue to talk to best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all driving today's digital success. And I'll talk to you next time on the Digital Transformation Podcast. Do you want to be a guest? Well, it could happen. Find out more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash guest. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.